our idolatry of shakespeare not to say our admiration ceases with his plays in his other productions he was a mere author though not a common author it was only by representing others that he became himself he could go out of himself and express the soul of cleopatra but in his own person he appeared to be always waiting for the prompter's cue in expressing the thoughts of others he seemed inspired in expressing his own he was a mechanic the license of an assumed character was necessary to restore his genius to the privileges of nature and to give him courage to break through the tyranny of fashion the trammels of custom in his plays he was quote, as broad and casing as the general air in his poems on the contrary he appears to be quote, cooped and cabined in by all the technicalities of art by all the petty intricacies of thought and language which poetry had learned from the controversial jargon of the schools where words had been made a substitute for things there was if we mistake not something of modesty and a painful sense of personal propriety at the bottom of this shakespeare's imagination by identifying itself with the strongest characters and the most trying circumstances grappled at once with nature and trampled the littleness of art under his feet the rapid changes of situation the wide range of the universe gave him life and spirit and afforded full scope to his genius but returned into his closet again and having assumed the badge of his profession he could only labor in his vocation and conform himself to existing models the thoughts the passions the words which the poets pen glancing from heaven to earth from earth to heaven lent to others shook off the fetters of pedantry and affectation while his own thoughts and feelings standing by themselves were seized upon as lawful prey and tortured to death according to the established rules and practice of the day in a word we do not like shakespeare's poems because we like his plays the one and all their excellences are just the reverse of the other it has been the fashion of late to cry up our author's poems as equal to his plays this is the desperate cant of modern criticism we would ask was there the slightest comparison between shakespeare and either chaucer or spencer as mere poets not any the two poems of venus and adonis and of tarquin and lucrece appear to us like a couple of ice-houses they are about as hard as glittering and as cold the author seems all the time to be thinking of his verses and not of his subject not of what his characters would feel but of what he shall say and as it must happen in all such cases he always puts into their mouths those things which they would be the last to think of and which it shows the greatest ingenuity in him to find out the whole is labored uphill work the poet is perpetually singling out the difficulties of the art to make an exhibition of his strength and skill in wrestling with them he is making perpetual trials of them as if his mastery over them were doubted the images which are often striking are generally applied to things which they are the least like so that they do not blend with the poem but seem stuck upon it like a splendid patchwork or remain quite distinct from it like detached substances painted and varnished over a beautiful thought is sure to be lost in an endless commentary upon it the speakers are like persons who have both leisure and inclination to make riddles on their own situation and to twist and turn every object or incident into acrostics and anagrams 
everything is spun out into allegory and the digression is always preferred to the main story sentiment is built up upon plays of words the hero or heroine feels not from the impulse of passion but from the force of dialectics there is besides a strange attempt to substitute the language of painting for that of poetry to make us see their feelings in the faces of the persons and again consistently with this in the description of the picture in tarquin and lucrece those circumstances are chiefly insisted on which it would be impossible to convey except by words the invocation to opportunity in the tarquin and lucrece is full of thoughts and images but at the same time it is overloaded by them the concluding stanza expresses all our objections to this kind of poetry oh idle words servants to shallow fools unprofitable sounds weak arbitrators busy yourselves in skill contending schools debate when leisure serves with dull debaters to trembling clients be their mediators for me i force not argument a straw since that my case is past all help of law the description of the horse in venus and adonis has been particularly admired and not without reason round-hoofed short-jointed fetlock shag and long broad breast full eyes small head and nostril wide high crest short ears straight legs and passing strong thin mane thick tail broad buttock tender hide look what a horse should have he did not lack save a proud rider on so proud a back now this inventory of perfection shows great knowledge of the horse and is good matter-of-fact poetry let the reader but compare it with a speech in the midsummer night's dream where theseus describes his hounds and their heads are hung with ears that sweep away the morning dew and he will perceive at once what we mean by the difference between shakespeare's own poetry and that of his plays we prefer the passionate pilgrim very much to the lover's complaint it has been doubted whether the latter poem is shakespeare's of the sonnets we do not well know what to say the subject of them seems to be somewhat equivocal but many of them are highly beautiful in themselves and interesting as they relate to the state of the personal feelings of the author the following are some of the most striking constancy let those who are in favour with their stars of public honour and proud titles boast whilst i whom fortune of such triumph bars unlooked for joy in that i honour most great princes favourites their fair leaves spread but as the marigold in the sun's eye and in themselves their pride lies buried for at a frown they in their glory die the painful warrior famous it for fight after a thousand victories once foiled is from the book of honour raised quite and all the rest forgot for which he toiled then happy i that love and am beloved where i may not remove nor be removed love's consolation when in disgrace with fortune and men's eyes i all alone beweep my outcast state and trouble deaf heaven with my bootless cries and look upon myself and curse my fate wishing me like to one more rich in hope featured like him like him with friends possessed desiring this man's art and that man's scope with what i most enjoy contented least yet in these thoughts myself almost despising haply i think on thee 
and then my state like to the lark at break of day arising from sullen earth sings hymns at heaven's gate for thy sweet love remembered such wealth brings that then i scorn to change my state with kings novelty my love is strengthened though more weak in seeming i love not less though less the show appear that love is merchandised whose rich esteeming the owner's tongue doth publish everywhere our love was new and then but in the spring when i was wont to greet it with my lays as philomel in summer's front doth sing and stops his pipe in growth of riper days not that the summer is less pleasant now than when her mournful hymns did hush the night but that wild music burthens every bough and sweets grown common lose their dear delight therefore like her i sometimes hold my tongue because i would not dull you with my song life's decay that time of year thou mayest in me behold when yellow leaves or none or few do hang upon these boughs which shake against the cold bare ruined choirs where late the sweet birds sang in me thou seest the twilight of such day as after sunset fadeth in the west which by and by black night doth take away death's second self that seals up all in rest in me thou seest the glowing of such fire that on the ashes of his youth doth lie as the death-bed whereon it must expire consumed with that which it was nourished by this thou perceivest which makes thy love more strong to love that well which thou must leave ere long in all these as well as many others there is a mild tone of sentiment deep mellow and sustained very different from the crudeness of his earlier poems End of Poems and Sonnets End of Characters of Shakespeare's Plays by William Hazlitt With an introduction by Sir Arthur Quiller Couch